T-Wolves bounce back strong and beat the Rockets thanks to Anthony Edwards' monster third quarter. I got the expert, Jack Borman. He's going to help us break it all down, and it's all coming up next on the Lockdown Wolves Postcast. You are Locked On Wolves Postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? What's up? Back in the lab, back at it. Another T-Wolves postcast episode right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's the man, Jack Borman. He's on Twitter, at Borman 13 And Jack, before we get into all the action, quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers, you're getting $200 in bonus bets with any $5 bet. That's 200 when you bet just five, check it all out. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. All right, man. Uh, here's your quick summary here. Uh, Wolves only up four at halftime, despite some pretty good defense. They just weren't very efficient shooting the ball. Cat with only two buckets through two quarters. Uh, Ant was ice cold in the first half, just one of nine shooting. But then, like we've seen so many times already this year, Finch settles everyone down in the locker room. They come out with a monster third quarter. They outscored Houston 32-20 thanks to an Anthony Edwards masterclass, man. Nine of 10 for 22 points. If my numbers are correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but 32 in total on the night. They run away with it. 111.90. They move to 35 and 15 on the year. Kick us off, though, Jack. What's the, what's the big takeaways here? And I guess, you know, big picture, how badly did they need this one after the loss to Orlando? And knowing full well, hey, this is our last home game now at the Target Center for a couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, it was a big game first and foremost because uh, it clinched uh, the Timberwolves having uh, Chris Finch or, or sending Chris Finch and his staff to Indianapolis to coach the Let's go the Western Conference All Stars. So he'll be able to coach uh, Carl and, and Anthony Edwards, uh, which will be which will be really fun for for him. I'm sure it's the first time that a that a Timberwolves coach has uh, manned the the sidelines in an All Star game since 2004 when when Flip Saunders did it. That was when. Uh, the Timberwolves were the number one seed in the Western Conference at the end of that season. Um, so obviously the game had had some pretty imp- big implications internally. I don't think externally people would really put that much stock in a uh, game against the Rockets. I believe they beat the Rockets by like 27 the last time they played. They beat them by, what was it, 21 tonight. But it was it was clearly a, a much wider uh, gap, uh, you know, in that fourth quarter. But yeah, I think you know, my biggest thing was just to see Anthony Edwards get back on track and in a huge way, Um, man, Um, you know, he had uh, 32 points on 11 of 22 shooting. Like you said, he had that, uh, you know, absolutely bananas uh, third quarter in which he outscored the Rockets uh, 22 to 20 by himself. Um, But I think for him, it was just the way in which he did it. Right. Um, You know, I think for him to start like one of eight, uh, or whatever it was that he started, and then for him to go like 10 of 14 or 10 of 13, whatever it was, um, to finish the game was was incredible, right? And to do it against a pretty good defender in Dylan Brooks was uh, was obviously huge. So, um, you know, that's obviously a really big thing for, for the Timberwolves moving forward, just to get him back on track, get him in a rhythm now as they, they embark on a road trip. Uh, kind of a weird road trip that's split into two separate mini road trips, uh, because they play in Milwaukee on Thursday and then they don't play again until Monday uh, in Los Angeles. So they'll definitely come home. Uh, they just won't play a game at home uh, with with three days off. So a uh, bit of a bit of a weird one there. But um, yeah, and then, 
you know, I just think the other um, the other big one was was Rudy, and we can get into that here um, here momentarily. But yeah, I think just just seeing Anthony Edwards, uh, you know, get after it was I, I think really important, and it was it was cool because uh, you know he he wasn't necessarily the one that was initiating most of the offense like we've seen while he's been struggling here. I think um, you know getting Mike Conley back and uh, you know kind of getting his I think Finch did a good job of kind of getting his feet wet when he first got back from that hamstring injury. Um, and now that he's kind of back full go, he's played a few games, um, you know, back at hundred percent. Now they had him really initiate a lot of the offense, which, you know, I think kind of contributed to Ancelot start a little bit, but was also a big reason why, uh, you know, I think he, he found a rhythm, uh, the way he did in that third quarter. Yeah. Jim Pete said two things that kind of stuck out to me in that third quarter. One, Ant was doing that, had so much success against the Rockets against a lot of different looks. And then the other thing that just kind of stuck out to me was that, he said that Ant, you know, basically what Ant was doing on the floor with Kyle Anderson on the court for a part of that third quarter was a big win for Coach Finch and the Wolves. Any idea what he meant by that? And then, again, maybe you can go take things another layer and just talk about how Ant had so much success against so many different looks versus the Rockets in that third quarter specifically. Yeah, I think what Jim meant by that was, was you know, pretty – I don't want to – it obviously wasn't a shot, but – um, the Timberwolves spacing offensively when Kyle Anderson has been on the floor has been suboptimal, let's call it. Um, sure. and defenses have, have almost completely ignored him, um, you know, when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. And even when he does have the ball in his hands, they, they've been they've been playing gap coverage really far off of him. And, and so for Ant to to do what he did in situations where, you know, they're playing the gaps against him to try to take away his drive. Um, and he still found creative ways to, uh, you know, get to the rim in, in, you know, less than ideal spacing. Um, but also too, like really found his, his touch with perimeter jump shooting, right. Made a couple of tough mid range shots, uh, made a few threes that were huge. I think he was four or five from beyond the arc, including a really tough sidestep uh, three on the right wing to, to kind of seal the, the 20 plus point quarter. But yeah, um, it was it was cool to see Ant then once they started doubling him get off the ball and and trust that it would come back to him, which is obviously something that he's going to see in the playoffs, especially um, you know depending on you know what the Timberwolves team looks like after the trade deadline, there there might be another option that they can throw out on the floor that will maybe let's say reduce uh, the number of possessions that teams are able to send a double team at him, um, but. Just just a, a mature performance from Ant in, in the way that he dominated. And then once the defense kind of took the ball out of his hands, he uh, he didn't try to force anything, which was you know exactly what you want to see and is what doomed the Timberwolves a little bit in that Charlotte game where, uh, you know, obviously a little bit of a different circumstance there with Carl chasing some history. But, uh, but you know, the, the team could have fallen into the same problem where they just got Ant the ball, got out of the way, didn't help him, just expected him to do everything. And, and that certainly wasn't the case tonight. Who else or, or what else for that matter stuck out to you tonight and want to give maybe a little bit more spotlight to Nas Reed, 13 points, a cat, only four of 12, 14 points tonight. Jaden, only five points. I know you mentioned Rudy Gobert, though. Another huge night. 22 points. Uh, what was that? I guess Friday night versus the Magic. Follows that up with 17 points, 13 boards, and four blocks, man. Talk, talk to us about Rudy Gobert. He's just been great. Yeah, I think my favorite thing about Rudy Gobert and what I admire the most about Rudy Gobert as a player is that he he really plays hard on both ends of the floor and raises the floor of the team, even on nights like tonight where Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards were pitiful in the first half. Uh, they brought no energy to the game. 
any energy they did bring was bad energy. Um, I mean, the two of those guys had 13 points on three of 16 shooting, I believe with three turnovers in that first half. Um, and the Timberwolves were still up by four because they held Houston to something like 35, 36% shooting in that first half. Um, hold on. What is it? I have the number in front of me. Yeah. 38% from the floor, uh, in the first half and they were over seven in that little short mid range area, right? That floater area that Gobert forces guys to take shots from because he, you know, the, the thought of going at him at the rim is tough for, you know, guys to reconcile with. And, and, and I think being up four and playing as badly as they did, uh, in that first half offensively, I think surely had to free them up a little bit in the third quarter to just, you know, hey, if we can just raise our energy on the offensive end of the floor, you know, I really think that we're going to be able to kind of run away with this game. And that's exactly what happened. And so I think what Rudy did is probably going to get lost in the the ant third quarter sauce, if you will. But he set all that up and he made all that possible. And even when Ant was going on that run, Houston was still uh, you know, couldn't do anything offensively. They were, uh, I want to say they were seven of 27, 26% from the floor, only scored 20 points in that, um, in that quarter and Gobert, you know, winning his matchup against Alper and Shengun was, was key. But, um, you know, again, tonight, we we've talked about this a lot on nights where we praised Rudy Gobert, the Houston Rockets were two of 16 in the four to 14 foot range. That is 12 and a half percent. And in, you know, long mid-range looks, which is a more popular shot against yep. teams that have a deep drop coverage, like we see with Rudy Gobert, two of 10, 20%. So you put all that together, there are four of 26 in the mid-range tonight. Um, it's it's incredible. Um, and, and two, uh, you know, I think offensively then too, we saw something that I think we might see of more going forward, which was uh, the Wolves really tried to, Put Alperin Shengun, who's who's one of the worst defenders, uh, especially at the center position in the NBA, on an island. And they cleared out the corner and they ran a bunch of empty side uh, mm-hmm. corner pick and roll with with Mike Conley and also with Anthony Edwards initiating too. That's how you know we saw Rudy Gobert get that and one right away uh, off a nice pass from Ant. That was an empty side pick and roll where two that you know two guys went to Ant, so he hit Rudy in the middle of the lane, just got hacked and, and made it. Um, but I really like the way the Wolves kind of picked apart the defense, isolated Shungun and, and tried to make him defend, and he couldn't do it. Um, and, and again, it also goes back to, to Conley initiating some more of that offense. And I think the Wolves don't want to uh, – they don't kind of want to overuse the pick and roll, I guess, with Mike, Mike and Rudy just because other guys aren't touching the ball as much in, in those situations. And I think – uh, if you're trying to get guys like Ant and Carl in a rhythm early on in the game, I think it's tough. But but hey, if you want to build a cushion early in the game against a team that's got a really poor defensive center that can't defend in space, struggles to defend the pick and roll, especially the roller in the pick and roll, I think that that's a great recipe, and we saw that tonight. So I hope that that's something we see moving forward as you know some of these regular season games now, the, the stakes of those games will be raised, especially against um, teams in the Western Conference and, and teams in the Northwest Division as well. Yeah, well said. Points in the paint as well. To your point, Wolves 56, Rockets 38. I don't know where that lies. 58-41 on the glass, too, which was huge. Wow, unbelievable, man. Huge, huge win. Love to see it. Rudy Gobert ripping it up. Uh, Plenty more deep dive from this one, including Coach Finch's film room session yesterday. And that's all coming up right after this. 
quick reminder tonight's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers, you're getting $200 in bonus bets when you place any $5 wager. $200 in bonus bets when you throw down just $5 on any bet. You will not find a better promo than this all year long, and you don't even have to win. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, no better time to get in on all the action. The app, so easy to use, and they got everything you need. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, over-unders, you name it, they got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire NBA season, and it's by far the easiest and simplest betting app to use. Go check it out for yourself. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today. America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. Okay, so Finch said in the presser that they spent yesterday's practice off the court in the film room, grinding the tape, just kind of recalibrating some things, making sure everyone's kind of crystal clear what their responsibilities are, what their assignments are. And it sounded like this was one of those, again, crystal clear messages from everyone on the roster, from the top down. Obviously, you saw some good results tonight with the win, but you're my elite NBA mind I ask these kind of questions to. Knowing what you know about how the Wolves have been playing, what they've been struggling with the most specifically, what do you think, if you just had to guess, what do you think Finch's biggest messages were specifically as far as like the X's and O's go? Yeah, I think he was probably pretty pointed in talking at Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards and, and telling them to please, for the love of God, please stop driving into the gaps. Please stop these one pass or no pass possessions where you're isolating and holding the ball for four or five seconds. I think that um, he's probably showing them possessions from the first quarter and saying, you know, where the heck is this in the fourth quarter? Um, because they're probably running a lot of the same type of actions, um, you know, in that, you know, they're, they're probably trying to start those guys off the ball you know, get the ball in their hands, uh, you know, early in the shot clock. But the problem for the Wolves is that, you know, a lot of the, if you go back and watch, uh, especially against Orlando, um, so many of their fourth quarter possessions didn't really start until there were 10 or 11 seconds on the shot clock, which is just way mm -hmm. too deep into the clock to be starting something. And a lot of times it was just, you know, Nikhil Alexander Walker dribbling the ball around or Mike Conley dribbling the ball around and, and getting the ball to Ant and then Ant just sitting there and waiting until there's seven, eight seconds left in the shot clock and then going. It's just terrible offense. And, and I think for, for Finch, he likes everything to be done quick. He doesn't like the ball to stick. He doesn't like players to not move around when they don't have the ball. And so um, I think that there was a lot of that going on. Or, or hey, like, let's let's raise our compete level earlier in the game so – you know, we don't have to have these, you know, super tight, tense fourth quarters where, you know, the game should have been won in the second or third quarter like it was tonight. Um, so I, I think there's probably a lot of those things. I think they probably looked at some different ways where they could drive to the baseline more to create more corner threes. I think the, the more the Timberwolves are able to generate open three-point shots, uh, they, they make a lot of them. So, uh, you know, they've been, I, I think, first in three-point percentage since the first of the year. Um, or second behind the Clippers. So, um, you know, for them to be able to shoot the three to 40% clip, you just got to find more ways to to generate more of them. And it's, you know, I, I we love to say Carl Anthony Towns shoot more threes, but, um, you know, there's some other functional ways that you can do it as well. And, and the more that you can get drivers to the baseline and kick to the opposite corner, 
get the defense in rotation, swing the ball around, you know, drive against a rotating defense, you're going to be able to create more of those opportunities, right? And so, um, you know, some of that can come from running more empty corner pick and roll, right? Um, you know, Mike Conley, Nikhil Alexander Walker, uh, Jaden, and all those guys are good at getting the baseline and creating from there. Um, and so, we we may see more of that going forward. I would I would presume, um, especially since I think. The more you can involve Rudy Gobert as a score, uh, the the or the the more pressure, excuse me, it takes off of your lead dog scorers to go out and, and get it done. And and I think too, just it, it allows you to play bigger, if that makes sense. Impose sure. more of your physicality, yeah. your will on the interior of the defense, especially against teams like Houston, where um, they just don't have much of a presence in the paint defensively, right? And so, the more that they can find ways to to really dictate that uh, mm-hmm. and, and make the other team adjust rather than the other team being able to to throw a haymaker and the wolves having to adjust, I think the better off they're going to be. Uh, well said, by the way, great explanation and and constructive criticism was like the big message when players were asked and like how it's so important, no matter what the name is on the back of the jersey, to be able to accept responsibility and learn as a team behind the closed doors and not let all those frustrations spill out over onto the court in front of your opponent. Do you think one of the messages? Might have been about Mike Conley, not just being the glue and the leader of the team, but maybe being more aggressive when it comes to scoring points as well. I only asked because started the game out with a quick three and then a couple nice drives of the lane. We just haven't seen a ton of this year. And Jim Pete referenced that maybe Coach Finch talked about that yesterday at the practice in the film room. Ends two of six, eight points, so don't light the world on fire, obviously. But could there be a concerted effort to get bite, bite cooking a little bit more, you think, too? Yeah, I think honestly, some of that comes with running more pick and roll or handoff game with Gobert, right? And that I I think you see a lot of Mike Conley's three point tanks come uh, in in wide open catch and shoot situations, but also Mm -hmm. when he's kind of in that two man game with Gobert, whether he's kind of, you know, playing hot potato with Gobert, passing it back and forth, switching the, 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 the side, I guess, that they're doing the handoff on to try to wall off a defender, kind of create that, that sidestep open three pointer. Um, but, you know, also you get a situation, right, where, where Conley runs a pick and roll, Gobert's rolling, he hits him for a lob, and then the defense is so worried about Gobert that they kind of forget to defend against that Conley little, you know, five, six-foot floater that he likes to get to. And so I think that's some more ways that you can generate some more open Conley looks. Because uh, he's not a guy that's just going to go create his own shot. I mean, he can, but that's just not the way he likes to play. And so – I think it's more just trying to involve him in more actions or have him initiate, get the ball in his hands a little bit more in, in scoring situations uh, could could certainly be part of that. But but again, I, I do think the spacing has a lot to do with it. And again, like you're not helping the spacing if you're driving into gaps and, and turning the ball over, like like a lot of these commenters have been have been saying. So I think the more that you can generate three point shots, have three point shooters on the floor. Uh, especially with the two bigs out there, the better the better the spacing is going to be. And and we've seen Kyle Anderson play uh, less and less over the last couple of weeks. And and I don't necessarily think that's a coincidence, given the way that he's played, um, and given that the trade deadline is right around the corner, and he could, uh, you know, be a be a player who gets moved at the deadline because he does have an expiring, um, you know, nine million dollar and change contract. And yeah. so. Um, you know, obviously I think that the coaching staff and the front office probably had a, had a longer leash with him this season, considering how integral he was to the team last season and how, uh, you know, beloved he is inside that locker room as a trusted veteran. I've been inside that locker room plenty this year. I see how everybody interacts with Kyle Anderson and everybody in there loves Kyle Anderson. And so, um, 
you know, it'll just be be interesting moving forward because I do think if, if they have had more shooting in there, I think it would alleviate a lot of the, the spacing issues they have, especially when uh, Gobert's on the floor. That that pairing was really good last year. It's been really poor this year. And, and I think the more you can get Anderson in those lineups with Carl Anthony Towns and Nas Reed and have more spacing out on the floor for him to him to attack um, and, and other guys just to to, to help have an, a more open lane. I think the the better off the the Timberwolves are going to be in those those slow mo minutes. Yeah, and this is kind of all under the same umbrella here, same theme, same realm here. But you know, we had Tyler on Friday after the Magic game, so you and I didn't get to chat. But I just want to ask, super quick, kind of stemming off from what you're talking about already, thirty seconds or less. What what frustrated you the most about that loss versus the Magic? Again, offense, defense, coaching. Everybody's talking about the turnovers. Uh, per usual, right, for this team? Was there a specific guy or two that you thought really let them down? I mean, what had you pulling your hair out the most in a game? You should be winning three, if not four out of five times at home. Yeah, it was just Ant, right? He had four possessions in a row where he either, or five possessions in a row in the fourth quarter where he either turned it over, missed a shot, took it from a three-point lead or a two-point lead to a five-point hole that they just couldn't climb out of. And then when Mike Conley checked in, four and a half minutes left, they started running a lot better offense, getting more clean looks, Conley initiated more things, and they just couldn't make shots. So I think it's just disappointing from Ant to, to see him continually try to force it. Um, and again, like I said, they just took him 15 seconds to get into any type of right offense yeah. that yeah. was you know even remotely reminiscent of them attacking uh, or, or trying mm-hmm. to create something, uh, create a shot, create a pass for a teammate, you know, something like that. So it, it wasn't pretty. Wasn't pretty being in there. Uh, the fans were, were pretty, you know, on edge for for that whole fourth quarter. You yeah, you were there coming, but yeah, you were there. Just a bummer. So yeah, but tough vibe, tough vibe for sure. All right, quick look at the schedule on deck coming up, and that's all coming up right after this. Quick reminder: this episode of Locked On Wolves postcast it's brought to you by Quiz Quiz. It's a next-generation trivia experience. It's also the world's first platform where you can earn money playing knowledge games. And for Locked On Wolves fans, they've created an NBA quiz game where you can test your knowledge and win real cash. Play with friends, play with other fans, and let your knowledge shine all the way to the bank. And you can play without downloading anything. Just go to app.quiz.com and start playing today. NBA quiz is the ultimate knowledge challenge for fans that live and breathe basketball. And I personally, I've already had so much fun playing it. Just go to app.quiz.com and test your knowledge today and win cash in the process. That's quiz with three eyes, just like a three pointer play. Now showcase your skills and take home cash prizes app.quiz.com where fans become champions. Give me a quick 60 seconds on this Rockets team, man. Last time we played them, we won, blew them out, but they didn't have Dylan Brooks. That was the big, like, bugaboo. Like, well, they didn't have Dylan Brooks. Obviously, he's a huge spark for them. I'm looking at their last three drafts, each one with a top five pick. You've got Thompson this year, the rookie, fourth overall. Jabari Smith from Auburn, third overall last year. Jalen Green, second overall three years ago. How's that little core and nucleus coming along this far? Do you you think they're close or have the parts if they can just maybe keep developing some of those young guys? Or what's the prognosis on those guys? Yeah, I just think it's a really weird collection of players, frankly. Um, you know, you have guys that are on different timelines with uh, they had a ton of money in free agency this pa- or cap room in free agency that this past year. They went out and got Fred Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks as some veterans to try to 
help the young guys along, if you will, and, and help them play some more competitive basketball. But the, the, the problem is that uh, you have guys like Jalen Green and Amon Thompson who are two pretty bad off the ball players and that those are two guys who if, if they need to, in order for those guys to impact the game, they have to have the ball in their hands. And, and it's tough for them to do that. Right. And uh, I think for Jabari Smith Jr., they were really hoping for more. Uh, out of him this season, especially the way that he played the second half of last season. I'm probably the highest on Jabari Smith out of all those guys. Um, but but they they also drafted a guy this year in the first round, Cam Whitmore, uh, who mm. fell. I, I right. can't think off the top of my head why he fell as far as he did. But he's a potential top five pick, went in the 20s, um, and has been awesome for them. I think he's been averaging north of 20 points a game in the last handful of games. So um, they've just got a lot of guys that they're trying to bring along. They don't really have uh, that much of a presence off the bench. And they, they don't have much interior defense, uh, but but their perimeter defense with Dylan uh, Brooks guarding kind of the lead dog scorers and Fred Van Vliet playing some pretty um, decent defense at the at the point of attack, too, with another really good um, defender off the bench and Jay Sean Tate. Uh, they've been one of the, I think, 10 best defenses in the league so far this season. And their their offense has just been really hit and miss on certain nights. You know, they scored, you know, in the 130s on some nights and they've had nights like tonight where. I want to say that Timberwolves held them to an offensive rating of like 86, which I believe was the lowest um, the Timberwolves have held anyone to this season. So um, just really inconsistent. And that's what's going to happen when you have a lot of guys who offensively are pretty inconsistent. So, um, and, uh, it, you it, know, and it's tough sorry, for Jalen Green. Go ahead. Yeah, I was, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, I'm a big NFL draft guy. It, it, I'm, I'm looking at their last three drafts. I only mentioned the top five lottery picks. You're right. They got Cam Whitmore pick 20 this year. They had three first rounders last year. Tari Eason, LSU pick 17. Love Ty Washington, Kentucky. Uh, and then the year prior, I think they had four first round picks, man. It's just, it's funny being such a nerd about the NFL draft and that like every third, fourth and fifth round pick matter. Once you get past these top 10, top 12, and I know everybody knows that, but yeah, there's just uh, I mean, I don't even know half these guys, Josh Christopher, Arizona state pick 24. That was their mystery relevant. It looks like in the first round three years ago. So yeah, they've had what uh, nine first round picks the last three years. Um, and it's just pretty mind boggling, I guess, that they don't have that young core nucleus yet that you really feel good about if you're a Rockets fan to build around. Yeah, man, it's, it's tough when you have to change coaches too. And I think that he maybe Doka, he, he was the coach that took yeah. the Celtics to the finals. Um, and then obviously was, was fired. Uh, we all know that story. Um, but, but he, he's been a really, uh, good coach for them. I think in terms of trying to cut out a lot of the, um, you know, a lot of the immaturity that's ironically the immaturity that, uh, you know, a lot of the, these young Rockets players have uh, played with uh, over the last you know, couple of seasons. So obviously a step in the right direction for them this season. And, and who knows if they'll be able to you know, either continue to develop in these guys into where they want them to be. Or, you know, there's been a lot of smoke that they've tried to trade Jalen Green to, to Brooklyn for Mikhail Bridges. And so mm. um, we'll be interested mm. to see if, if they are able to, to successfully you know, bring in more of a win now veteran um, in exchange for someone like Green, who, you know, really doesn't, I, I think, fit with with the way that Ima Hidoka wants, wants their offense to work. So. Yeah, makes sense. All right, last one real quick here. Here's the schedule coming up now. Home games. I mean, what, we have three in a row at home? That's over. That's long gone. Bulls, Bucks, Clippers, two with the Blazers, all on the road, five in a row three late West coast games on the tail end of that stretch as well. What's something that sticks out to you the most or which matchup or game are you just most intrigued or maybe excited about? 
Yeah, I, I obviously think that the Clippers game will be huge just because I think it's always a good measuring stick to, to play against that. I'm just most excited to see if Jaden McDaniels can kind of get on a little bit of a defensive heater here. I think, you know, when you go in and defend somebody like DeMar DeRozan uh, with the Bulls, who will really test your discipline defensively, and then he'll probably be the guy that checks Damian Lillard when they play Milwaukee. Um, you know, probably spend some time on Giannis, but I'd imagine Carl, Carl and Ant get more of that matchup. Um, and, and then in LA, he'll, he'll get the Kawhi matchup. Um, and then in Portland, he'll get shade on Sharp if, if Sharp is able to, um, able to return from an adductor injury that he's been dealing with. So, so it'll be kind of an interesting runway, five game road trip for, for Jaden to, to continue to, to play well tonight. Held Jalen Green to eight points on three of 15 shooting. 0 of 5 from the floor. Uh, did a really good job of making a really explosive player go more east to west instead of north south, getting downhill to the basket. So, going to be really excited to to see Jaden hopefully uh, get some momentum going into the break, and then and then afterwards, you know, hopefully be able to to unleash him a little bit more offensively uh, against some teams that are near the bottom of the league in, in defense in, in Milwaukee, Brooklyn, San Antonio, Memphis, and Sacramento, um, and then the first five out of the break uh, all at home. So. Uh, well done tonight, as always, my man. Wolves bounce back strong after that tough loss. Friday night versus the Magic, they hold on. 111-90, hold on to first place in the West. Jeff doing some scoreboard watching for us here. Raptors blew a 16-point lead, lost in double OT to OKC. Brutal. Heat blew a nine-point lead early and lost to the Clippers. Brutal. All right, well. That Wolves was a really low-scoring game, that Heat-Clippers game. I think it was like 40-40 to 40 at halftime or something like that I saw, but. Uh, what was, uh, before we get out of here, here's a fun one. Nice and easy, nice and light before we jump out of here. What what, what was uh, more entertaining or intriguing for you, seeing Fitty sent in the stands? I don't know what Fitty's doing in the 612, man. That was hilarious. Shout out, Fitty. Or <laughs> the 50th game of the season for the Wolves. Yeah, the tonight. 50th game of the season. What's it mean, man? What's it mean? Um, or Rudy Gobert with that monster dunk, right? But it sounded like, and they're talking about it in the comments right now, it sounded like Jim Pete said, that was his daughter wiping the sweat and everything off the court, trying to get out of the way. That was his own daughter. So no, 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 no. That was uh, that was my guy, Mike Greenbaum's daughter. Mike Greenbaum is the, uh, the excellent it. statistician okay. Okay. for the TV okay. broadcast. Um, who Got sits next to, right next to Michael. And well, I'm glad. I'm glad we could clarify that. Mike's daughter. That yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. 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 Okay. No, the, the no. Jim made it clear that that was that was Mike's kid. He uh, he didn't he didn't mention Mike by name initially, but um, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was shout out to Maya, man. It we've seen yeah. some some nasty highlights of, of those <laughs> I know uh, man. court wipers getting wiped Dude. out, especially in college games. Thankfully that hasn't happened as much in, in the pro games, but yeah, she was no she was she was moving to get out of the way there. Yeah, absolutely. All right, great stuff per usual, my man. All right, back on the road Tuesday versus the Bulls. Tip off for that one, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Rest assured, we'll be back. Every game, same time, same place, right here to break it all down. Huge shout out to everyone that joined us in the postcast. Always love all the feedback, the comments after every game. Quick reminder, you got to go check out all Jack's work on Twitter at JRBorman13. And make sure you check him out and the full crew on the Minnesota Basketball Party. That's each and every Wednesday. Sam Ekstrom, Gophers legend Ron Johnson, Kara Levin's very own Reggie Wilson. And if you haven't already, Ben Beacon ripping it up over on the Lockdown Wolves podcast. That's each and every day as well. That'll do it for us tonight, though. He's Jack Borman. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Until next time, signing out.